0: How are we doing this morning? Try it one more time, some of you are getting seated. How are we doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm thankful to be up here and speak with you guys. Um, I'm very honored to be able to get the opportunity to come up here and share what the Lord's put in my heart. Um, I'm just thankful that that pastor has trust me enough times to be in this pulpit to not lose any of his people. So I'm very thankful to him for that. Um, and, and it's awesome that that, you know, Marian got the, the clear to go and, and and have time with her family. And so can we just give honor to the Lord for what he's doing in their lives that she's able to spend time with them. That's so, so critical. Um, I'm Pastor Jonathan, and I want to share with you guys what the Lord's put in my heart, and it's called Model the Mission. Okay? I want you to say, Model the Mission. Model the Mission. mission. So, to set up some context, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you don't know what to do? Like, maybe it's the first time you've done something, or maybe there's a role you are taking. and you're like, I don't know what to do, I hope that someone teaches me, right? So, um, I just came up with some examples. Um, so, maybe the first time you drove, maybe, how many of you had, like, a really bad experience the first time you learned how to drive? Everybody in Raleigh's a perfect driver. Okay, great, good to hear. I haven't experienced that. Not that you guys are bad drivers, but <laughs> um, so the first time that I learned how to drive, I was super nervous, right? Maybe for some of you, you went to an abandoned parking lot with your parents, and for the first time, you know, coming out of that preteen, teenager years, you go from all these years in the back seat or in the passenger to they allow you to go around the car, right, and get behind the driver's seat, right? You're in this, this foreign seat, the same vehicle, but you've never been in this position, right? And for some reason, your parents give you the authority to drive this one-ton metal death trap, right? And so you get behind the wheel, and you, you look at these, these pedals down at the floor, you look at the gear shift, For you that don't know, you look at the letters and it spells out prindle, and you're like, what does that mean? And you soon learn that that they each have their own function, right? Um, And so as a driver, like when you first get into that, you're like, you don't know what to do, right? Um, maybe uh, for the first time you went into the workforce right maybe for some of you can remember the first time you landed a job right Um, whether that was out of your your own fruition or your parents were like you got to get out of this house and do something with your life right Um, so maybe uh, for me you know I I started waiting tables at at an early age and and that taught me a lot about people right but at the same time like I was making money for the first time and I literally was like these people are coming in to pay for their food And then if I bring them the food, they pay me too. Like, they give me tips. Like, I just, I couldn't understand it, right? Like, I was learning these things, right? I was like, I have to listen to somebody that's not my parents. Like, someone in authority is giving me commands, right? So I had to learn in this role. And maybe for some of you more recently, or maybe, uh, maybe you re- recollect this better in your mind, but when you first go into the real world, right? Like uh, a lot of people like say adulting, right? So we go into the real world and we try to figure out how to do this thing called life on our own, right? And maybe you're like, well, if I own all these things, why do I have to pay taxes on them, right? Like, uh, is this Roth IRA person? Is that an important person? Or should, do I need to know who that is, right? These naive questions and things that we, we might have as, as a person who's just going off into the unknown, right? And obviously these naive things we, we learn, right? And, and in these roles we learn that, okay, maybe as a 16-year-old you learn how to drive, right? And then you have all this power and authority and maybe eventually your parents aren't with you, right? You have the ability to go up and down the road at 90 miles an hour and practice your fast and furious Tokyo drift moves, right? You have the ability to drive like a maniac, but the purpose of driving, the purpose of that vehicle is to get you from point A to B, right? Right? Amen? There's some people who don't understand that on the road, and I learned that a lot here in Raleigh, right? Um, As you go into the workforce, right, you can go in and you can learn how to, you know, take more shifts and make all this money. And, you know, you have the ability to take all that money and pour it into things that, that don't matter. You know, I could have just blown all my money on video games and musical equipment and just eating out all the time, right? But the point of a job is not for you to just have everything you want, but for it to provide for your needs and then whatever you have left over for your wants, right? As an adult, you're not, and I think there's a lot of pressure for a lot of upcoming college students who graduate, right? They're like, they think they have to have everything together and in a, in a time where we're just so drowned by information but needing knowledge, you understand what I'm saying? Like we need the application of knowledge, but there's all this information that just spans around and so as a young adult, we probably think like, I need to get it together, right? But that's not what adulting is about. When you go into the real world as an adult, it's not about having everything figured out and thinking how you're gonna, gonna support yourself six decades from now, right? That's a lot of pressure, It's about you going out on your own and learning how to become an independent person and discovering who you are, right? And so why do I bring these things up? Each one of these roles have a purpose, and we've all dealt with with this in one way or another. And I just want to to ask you, what do you believe is the purpose as a contributor into the kingdom of God? As As a follower of Christ, what is the purpose of that? For some of you, you may be new believers. Maybe you come into this and you're spiritually young, right? You're come, even no matter what your physical age is. Some of you, you're, you're, a veteran, you're a veteran Christian, right? You've been doing this thing for a long time. You've served on like every area of ministry you can. But, but sometimes if we come into something new or if we've done something for a long time, we could lose the purpose of it, right? For a lot of people in Raleigh. They understand that and how to drive a car, but they've lost the purpose because they'd rather scroll on social media and drive at the same time, right? So <laughs> they've been doing it a long time, but they miss the It's from getting from point A to point B, not how to entertain yourself in your 20 minute commute, right? And so I say that because I think sometimes it's good to come back to the basics of what it means for us to model the mission, right? And we're going to dive into that. But before we do, I just want to say a word of prayer before we go into the scripture. God, we thank you for this morning, and Lord, we thank you that that we continue to model the mission of what you set up, Lord, for for your disciples and your followers so long ago, and we just pray that, that we can really get a grasp of what it is that we do, regardless of whether we're a new believer or a veteran Christian, that God, that we can truly grasp what it is, the mission that we are here to do. God, not as consumers, God, we don't come here to just consume everything in front of us as far as worship or the sermon and then just go back to our lives, but God, we are contributors into the kingdom of God. And we just pray, the Lord, that we see ourselves as such with authority and power given by you. We pray these things in your name. Amen and amen. So um, we're going to be speaking out of Acts chapter 2. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with us. It'll also be on the screen. Um, in Acts chapter 2, um, we see that uh, this is the early church, right? This is after Jesus has already left. But before that, I want to set up some context in, uh, in John chapter 14, uh, verse 26, um, or actually John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8, if we can, yeah, right here. Um, so before, before Jesus ascends, right, he's risen from the dead, and he's with his disciples and followers after he, he, rise, he rose from the dead, right? He spends time with them, and I'm sure for them, they're like, man, this is the guy who performed all the healings, was crucified wrongly, and now we get to spend time with it? Like, this is the life. This is what I want to do forever, but unfortunately for them, they didn't know that he would have to leave, and this is why. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Now that's important because these, these disciples were with Jesus this whole time. They saw everything he did. They're talking about this advocate person, the Holy Spirit, like, I don't know who that is. I know who you are, God. I know who you are, Jesus. You're my Lord, and I want to spend time with you. But unfortunately, what they didn't realize is that later on, he says that because I'm leaving and the Holy Spirit will come into you, you will be able to do greater works than I ever did, right? And so um, this is the setup for what's happening in Acts chapter 2. So when we go to Acts chapter 2, we see that the day of arrival has happened for the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost. This is a festival that happened in Jerusalem. And so there's a lot of people who flocked to this area from many different places. And so we pick up in Acts chapter 2 and it says this, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Now I don't know about you, but typically if I meet with people in a the house, there's not just like a loud sound and wind that just rushes in out of nowhere, right? And it continues on and says this. It gets a little bit weirder. In uh, in verse three and four it says this. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire? appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the holy spirit and began speaking in other languages and the holy spirit gave them this ability now um, if you were in a room gathered for a festival and then this loud noise came in and then you saw the people around you look like they were set on fire you'd probably freak out right and so as we read this like this is crazy for us to think about but imagine how much crazy it was for them. It's not like we sometimes read in scripture, you know, from, from a, 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 a hindsight of 2020, right? And so sometimes we read in the scripture like, oh man, that's crazy that happened. As if like they kind of knew it was going to happen just because they're woven to the story. But the disciples didn't know this was going to happen, right? They were, they were probably as taken back as, as we were. And so, um, and so it continues on. So in this first part of chapter 2, we, we learn that the Holy Spirit comes into his people. This is the first time that the Lord takes his spirit and literally indwells his people. Um, and, and it says that they started speaking in languages. Um, and what happened was there was all these people from other nations. And they like, what's that loud sound? There's fire up in that room. What's going on? So all these people come around and you see what's going on and disciples come down and they're speaking in the native tongue of these people that are foreigners. And this, of course, you're going to have critics everywhere you go throughout Scripture. And this critic comes by and he's like, nah, that's not real. They're just drunk. And of course, Peter has put him in his place. In verse uh, 14, he puts him in his place when he says this. um, uh, Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles, shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk. As some of you are assuming, nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that, right? And so, so even he put it in his place, and he's like, "Come on, bro! Like, I know that maybe these, some of these people are messed up, but this is—it's nine o'clock in the morning, and and he's just trying to to shut down these people who want to say that this is fake, right? I mean, imagine if you had a bunch of people in an upper room. I mean, really, like in your real life, you had all these people in an, in an upper room. They come down, start speaking this language you've never heard, right? They've never done that before. I mean, I think some of us might think they're a little crazy, right? And and so they come down, they start speaking his languages. And then uh, Peter comes down to all the people who who had come around, right? And he starts preaching this message to these people. Like, this is not not fake. This is genuine. The Lord told us about what was going to happen, right? And he even says, um, in, in verse 22, he continues. He says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And so, for all these people that are coming forth, maybe they're from other nations, maybe they're from other beliefs, and they're like, well, I don't believe in this God, but I mean, they are speaking my language, and I don't know what's going on, so maybe I should listen. And so, he continues on, he even quotes David from Old Testament, talking about how the, whole, the Holy One would not rot into the grave, it says that, um, it says that in, in Psalms, right? He, he goes on to, to speak about uh, things that were prophesied, right? And so, he's like, this is the one, this is the risen Savior that we follow. And so, he continues to preach this message, it their hearts, it says, and then it, 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 ends, it ends with this. He, he says, or the people say, um, what do we do now? Like, if this is the case, if this is the person we follow, and I'm following this guy, like, what should we do? And so, Peter, instruction by saying this. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, your children, and those far away, all who have been called by the Lord God. And that's, that's, that's crazy, right? You have all of these people in front of you who maybe have never believed in, in who, who God is, right? And all these people come up and they listen and they're being convicted. Not because of, of, of what Peter's saying, obviously, he's an authoritative person, but because Holy Spirit is, is making a move, right? When we come into this place, we believe Holy Spirit is making a move in, in our hearts. As believers, He's already indwelling, but He's also moving at the same time, and we got to make sure we're listening to that voice. And so, to conclude, um, it it gives us an idea of what the modern church is, right? So, um, in Acts chapter 2, we see that this model is what we continue today. So, to to, to close out this this chapter, it says, Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging his listeners, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. In one day, could you imagine 3,000 people flooding this place? Like, we'd have to do like seven services. That would be awesome, right? Um, it's crazy that he was able to reach that many people that day, but it wasn't just because of him. It was because the Holy Spirit indwelled in him, right? And then, and then lastly, it says in verse 44 through 47, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions, and shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God, and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, I read all that. I know that's a lot of Scripture and a lot to take in. But what we just saw was the literal manifestation of Holy Spirit in His people, Right in Old Testament we see God appear as, as a pillar of fire, uh, fire in the bush. He appears on a mountain, right? But he has never been dwell. He's never dwelled within his people. So we see all of these people, all these giants of faith, right? David, Moses, Noah, all these people that we look up to, right? That come before this particular verse, this chapter. And even though they have done so many things with God, from this point on things are so drastically different. God was with his people in the Old Testament. Jesus came to be among his people. But then after this, when Jesus left, this Holy Spirit indwelled in his people, right? So I tell you all this stuff and you're like, well, why is that important? Why does that matter how we know how the early church began? It's important because what began then is what we continue today, right? And so I just want to, to encourage you, like, when, when Jesus came, when, he, when he, he completely did away with the power of sin, He did not say, okay, I'm going to come down and just completely wipe this out. You guys are free to do what you you want, right? He didn't do that. He gave power to Peter, his disciples, and it spread, right, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, right? And so, I don't want any of you to think, like, we're plan B. Like, Jesus came, it kind of worked out, but then he kind of had to leave, and we're kind of the backup plan, right? No, we are plan A. This is how he wanted to reach the world, is through the local church, right? And so I think it, we just need to, to recognize that basic purpose of, of who we are as, as followers of Christ. Jesus intended to reach the world through the local church. And that means that, that there's a huge responsibility on our part, right? Like I, like I was praying, we're not consumers, right? At one point, we, we, need to be, we need to be led, we need to be taught, and we need to be fed the Word of God. We need to come in here and be in a place where we could worship freely, right? Those things are good, but it, it can come to a point where, where we can become so overwhelmed and so fed that, that we, we can become lazy in our faith. If I'm being honest, there's been times in my faith I've, I've been lazy, a veteran, right? A professional Christian, right? I know all the things to check off a box, but sometimes we can become consumers instead of contributors when God has only ever asked us and called us to become contributors. And so at one time he he inhabited the temple, right, a physical place. Now he inhabits the temple that is our body. We think about the mission of North Park. Do any of you know what the mission of North Park is? If I was to say one, two, three, could everybody say it? Can I do that? All right, we're gonna try it. Ready? The mission of North Park is one, two, three. Yes. All right. Awesome. Awesome. We exist to build lifelong followers of Jesus, right? And this is not something that North Park just like came out of like magically, like we just completely created this. This is the calling of Matthew um, when, when he calls his disciples to go and make disciples of many other nations, right? This is, this is our calling, right? Uh, we just put it in our context. And so reaching lost people for Christ, that's only half the battle. We also have to, to help them sustain that life that they have in Christ. And so you might be listening and say, well, that's all good and well, Pastor Jonathan. And there's this Holy Spirit that came and, and uh, Peter was able to preach this awesome message. We see all these people breaking bread, sharing their resources, maybe having devotion together. Maybe all these people who were from a different faith, meeting with Jews and Gentiles and, and having all these questions about Old Testament and coming together, you know. That's awesome what happened then. But that's, that's not who I am today, right? I don't have that power and authority, right? Wrong. Absolutely wrong. What happened then is a continuation that still happens today because the Holy Spirit indwells in us like no other generation before. And so you may ask, okay, well, I understand that and I understand the why, but like how, how do I interact with Holy Spirit? I think sometimes we can think of, when it comes to Christianity, we think of Holy Spirit as like the guy on the sideline, Right? Like in a football game, if God's like the head coach calling all the plays that knows everything, and Jesus is like the star quarterback that everybody knows, but then Holy Spirit is like that guy on the sidelines that that not really a lot of people recognize, right? I think sometimes it can feel that way because we don't understand and know the role of the Holy Spirit, but but if we're believers and have accepted Christ as our Savior, we have to understand that He indwells in us and He gives us power to do the exact same thing that Peter did in Acts chapter 2. So, I'm going to give you some practical advice about how we interact with the Holy Spirit. So, if you're, t- if you're taking notes, it's just going to be four quick points. Um, how do we act- interact with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? How do we become the same people that showed it was modeled in Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 47? How do we become that community? First, you need to receive the word. You need to receive the word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6-7, through 7, it says, Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or the rulers of this world, who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak is the mystery of God. He His plan that was previously hidden, even though we may, he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. So, when we receive the word, when we read the word, however we consume it, we are literally taking from the wisdom of God, right? And for some of you, are like, well, Pastor Jonathan, I have this King James Version, and I just don't understand it, blah, 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 you know. And we like to come up with these reasons why we can't get into the word, like it's only meant for pastors or preachers or people who are in ministry. And that's just completely false. And what's crazy is that the generation we live in, even though I can go and get besides, behind someone at a stoplight, who probably won't go after it turns green because they're still on their phone, right? Some people, some of you have been through that, right? Technology can be very, very frustrating sometimes, right? Maybe sometimes it doesn't work, your AC goes out, right? You, you never appreciate AC more until it goes out, correct? Um, especially as hot as it's been lately. But the good thing about the, the time we live in is about technology is that there's so many ways to consume the word and, and, get, and, and make consistent regular deposits into our mind and into our heart, right? Some of you listen to, to audio books and some of you listen to, to podcasts or maybe you're reading leadership stuff or maybe you're watching sermons and in all those ways are ways that weren't possible to get the word into your spirit, right? I'm not saying that those ways are more important than the word, but if we are to receive the word and do what 1 Corinthians tells us to do, we are to regularly deposit that in our life. If we were to think about the Word and think about the world, it's very simple. How much, if you were to think of a percentage every day, and, and maybe you can do this at the end of, end of your day every day before you go to sleep, what percentage of the Word did I deposit into my heart and what the percentage of the world did I deposit into my heart, right? Some of us binge watch shows, and I'm, I'm guilty of that, right? Some of us scroll through social media, but we're so in, we're so involved in what's going on in the world that sometimes we don't get into the Word, right? So we need to receive the word. Secondly, you need to reflect on the word. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We need to reflect on the word. So sometimes we read the word, right? But we can't just stop there, right? It's not just a textbook for us to assign these certain chapters and pages and then we're done with it, right? We're to reflect and see like, what is this word saying? What is this about? When it talks about Acts chapter 2, wh- why, why is this important to me? We need to reflect on what it says, right? Thirdly, and this is, the, this, is the, um, th- this is the job of the Holy Spirit, right? So this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. You say, how do we interact with the Holy Spirit? This, this, is, this is one crucial job of the Holy Spirit. We are to respond to the Word. And in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through 9, it says this, this is why the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. When they tested me in the wilderness, there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. Now, obviously, he's talking about the Israelites as they traveled through the wilderness. They were, man, they were so blessed and so provided for. Could you imagine being in the wilderness, like almost being hopeless, and then all of this stuff just rains down from heaven and you have food? Like, it's just there? And then somehow they are able to grumble and complain through that, and they wandered through the desert for, for 40 years. And so he's saying, like, don't be like those people. Don't be so easy to just discount what I'm trying to bring up to your mind and your heart. So the, the responsibility of the Holy Spirit when we receive the Word, right? When we reflect on what the Word says, the Holy Spirit's going to bring up out of us and remind us these, these things, right? Um, and, and so, for example, in Proverbs 15.1, it says, "...a soft answer turns away wrath." But a harsh word stirs up anger. So in that moment, and you could go through so many examples, right? In this, in this certain text, we can see that if we approach somebody with a soft answer, regardless of how belligerent they're being, that we can, get, we can get some type of leeway. And if not, that's on them and not on us, right? And there's so many different examples about revenge and peace and faith and, and guilt and all these things that teach us. And if we are to put them into our spirit, it's the Holy Spirit's job to recall that in our spirit. Does that make sense? And so we re- it's very simple. We read this word, we reflect on what it says, and when that moment comes for us not to cuss out the person in traffic, he brings to our spirit, like, oh, bring, he brings a word to our spirit that calms us down and says, okay, a soft answer is what's required. Maybe no answer at all sometimes, you know. Maybe it's just best to keep it in because if we bring some harshness into it, what it's going to, it's going to bring that, that wrath and that anger. And so we need to respond to the word. And I, I, I think that that's, that's, super, um, that's super important for us to do is, is to respond because when the Holy Spirit recalls that word up inside of us, when he, when he brings that word out that we've been studying, right, we need, we need to take that because sometimes, you know, we, we go through the word, we reflect, we have the Holy Spirit recall this thing in our spirit, but sometimes we have a hard, we have a hard time responding to what he has to say. Maybe you've been in your office workspace or maybe at school or wherever you may be and, and, and maybe you're in line behind someone at the cash register and you just feel like this, this tug on you. Um, we had a speaker um, a couple weeks ago call it the nudge, right? And so maybe you have this nudge that says, hey, go pay for this person. You don't know their financial circumstance. It might be socially awkward, but go pay for this person. It's going to bless them. And you at that moment, you have the option to either respond to what Holy Spirit's saying or not. And I think sometimes we get so much in our head and just think, oh, well, that's just a weird thought that I'm having. And just kind of discount it as like a battle in our mind, right? Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make this weird. There's all these people around me, like, he can, he, he can, he can purchase his own food, right? But I think so many times, because we aren't going to be able to see the outcome of what's going to happen, we get so fearful and, and anxious that we don't go through with what the, the Lord is telling us to do. And how much different is that than the Israelites who, wasn't li- who weren't listening to the Lord, right? And so in these moments, there are so many different examples that, that we don't have time to go through, but there's so many examples of how we can approach peace, how can you, we can approach our marriage, how we can approach our finances when it feels like they're just being stretched way too thin, right? There's these times where the Holy Spirit is going to bring up in you words that you read in His Word, and it's going to make that situation so much better than we try on our own. How many of you have tried to, to face a situation on your own, and you ended up making it worse? You ended up making it About everybody in here, right? And so, if we were to just turn and listen to that small voice in our head, we could understand that, that we, have, we have the power and authority to go through life not feeling so fearful that we don't know what to do, right? Just like in those roles I was talking about in the beginning, we could be so scared of the purpose because sometimes we don't know what to do, Right? I mean I would be scared and a lot of times when I and I'm talking about driving a lot I must have road rage that's pent up I'm sorry it's <laughs> like a free therapy session for me I guess So, um, I get behind a, a car that has student driver on top right and I get so anxious I'm like oh my gosh what's this person and usually they don't do anything but I'm just kind of like hesitant about like what's gonna happen right and it was just last week actually that I was riding behind uh, someone right by our office and they were turning uh, onto Spring Forest Road and they like went up on the curb and like I kind of swung because I didn't know what they were doing. I was like, oh God, you know, I was like so fearful because they didn't know what they were doing, right? I was like, oh my gosh, like this, this is scary, right? Um, but the purpose of driving is to get from point A to point B. The purpose of being a follower of Christ is to reach lost people for him. And sometimes we can be like that student driver and maybe we go up to that person and we offer them, you know, hey, can I, can I purchase your meal today? I just want to, to, to bless you. You know, maybe in that time, you know, maybe it is awkward, right? But it, the more we continue to do that, the more we'll be comfortable with it, right? Pastor Anthony always says that if you're not comfortable doing something, it's because you don't do it enough. And so I just want to encourage you when it comes to those moments, whenever you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, telling you to do something, because as believers and followers of Christ, we have to believe that's what's going on. There's always three voices in our head. And it's the Holy Spirit. Usually if something's good and it benefits someone else, that's Holy Spirit, right? Usually if it has anything to do with hindering and, and destroying our character, that's the enemy. But sometimes when it has to do with, with, with talking us out of a situation that we know is probably beneficial and good, that's ourselves. And so many times, like, we, we think, obviously we fight against the enemy. And we fight against principalities of darkness and not against flesh and blood. But sometimes our worst enemy is ourselves. And we wonder, like, man, well, this happened in the Bible. Like, we can't top that. We can't become an Acts 2 church like they did. We can't bring 3,000 people into this place. Why not? Why can't we do that? Because you say you can't. Because you are stopping yourself, right? And once we get into our heads, like we have the ability to make life change happen because of what Holy Spirit's doing through us. You have a testimony, you have a circle of influence that no one else in this place has other than you. And you'll never be able to rise above that fear and see what God is doing through your life and through other people until you learn how to listen to Holy Spirit. So ask yourself Am I getting the word into my spirit or am I getting the world into my spirit? I'm not telling you to just delete all social media and just, you know, go off grid. I'm not telling you that. But I think sometimes we need to remember what it means to be a follower of Christ and prioritize what that thing is about going into the word into the word. It's not about checking off that little five minute devotion, maybe you do it with other people, which is okay, but for some of us maybe that's the extent of, of our Bible reading. And I just think it's so crucial for us to get into the Word to see what Holy Spirit is going to do through us. So I'm not sure what He's going to do in your certain situation. I'm not sure how He can lead you out of a situation or help someone else in a situation that's in your, your sphere of influence. But I pray that you continue to be receptive to what the Word is saying. And as, as we come to a close, I want to say this. This is a story that I found that I thought was really cool that represented uh, what it means to, to focus on the vision of, of being a follower of Christ. This is just a really cool analogy. A traveler came upon three masonry workers. He asked the first man what he was doing, and the man said he was laying bricks. He asked the second man the same question, and he said he was putting up a wall. When he got to the third man and asked him what he was doing, he said he was building a cathedral. They were all doing the same thing. They were working with bricks, right? The first man had a job. The second man had a career but the third guy who had vision and foresight to see beyond just this one brick he had a calling and we as followers of Christ need to have that calling we don't need to be like that first man and just come in here and just check off the box well this is my job I just do this thing called Christianity because well the Bible tells me to right maybe for some of you you're like the second guy and you're like oh well uh, we come we do this, this Christian thing and I've been doing this for a long time I can show you all the areas of ministry because you're a professional Christian right this, it's like a career but we need to be like the third man and have vision and foresight for what God's going to do through us and know that this is a calling. This is not something that we have to do. This is something we get to do, right? And so I just pray that, that we're able to see that this is so much more than coming into a church building. This isn't the church. It's actually a school. This is just a church. We are the church. And Peter found that out in that, in that moment that the church was not indwelled by, his Holy, by the Spirit of God in a temple, but in His people. And so when you get that into your spirit and you realize, like, I can do this. I can simplify how Holy Spirit is interacting in my life. Then you can start to have peace to interact and make life change happen. Not because of what you're doing, but what you're allowing Holy Spirit to do through you. Amen? Let's, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we're able to, to come into this place and realize that it's not by our power alone, but God, from you that we are able to find how to change lives, God, and not because of anything that we do, not because our natural ability or talent or giftedness, though you, you uh, God, bless us in those ways in the way that you created us, God. We recognize that it is through you and your Holy Spirit that we are able to reach lives, God. And so many times I feel like um, as part of the Godhead, Lord, as part of the Trinity, the Father and the Son get a lot of credit. Obviously, we we, we want to listen to our, our, our Father in heaven. And obviously, we want to give credit to the one who gives us our salvation and who came and died on a cross for us. But we can't leave out that third part and the part that Jesus thought was so important that he himself had to leave earth to impart into us. Holy Spirit, we ask you today, what is it that you want us to do and what way can you recall the word in our spirit that we're able to make an impact and change for your people, for lost people, but also for people who are veteran Christians who maybe have such a hardened heart that they don't listen to you anymore because they know what songs to sing. They know that they need to come at at 940 to come and, and speak with people and then make it to service. God, we don't want to be a kind of Christian who thinks that church is just what happens in this building. This is just a part of what happens. And I would even argue the most important part is what happens outside of these walls. So, God, we just pray this morning, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us, that, God, through your word, that it wouldn't be confusing, but, God, it could be clarified, that, Lord, we'd want to take advantage of the resources at our disposal, God, through, through messages, through audiobooks, Lord, through podcasts, and all these things that can literally simplify what your word says. And then eventually we can get to the point where we can read it on our own. And that's okay. But, God, what's not okay is for us to completely ignore what your word says because we don't understand it. So God, I pray you convict us and I pray that you do what only you can do in this place and make known to your people what it is that we are to do as contributors, not consumers, into the kingdom of God.